0: All right, hello and welcome to the Petty Prophet Podcast, where we talk about news, culture, and politics from a Christian worldview. It is the Tuesday Show, and I am glad you're here. Thanks for listening today. Um, I'm going to try to make this quick because I am currently um, in my little office covered in moving blankets, which uh, is what helps deaden the sound in here, so it uh, doesn't sound like I'm in a you know in the Grand Canyon or something. Uh, with a lot of echo. So um, it's really hot and I'm really uncomfortable. So (laughs) I'm going to try to try to make this quick. And uh, if you have feedback for the show, if you have an idea for uh, another podcast episode, uh, something you'd like to hear me or my brothers talk about, uh, be sure to write in. You can reach me at contact at thepettyprofit.com. Again, that's contact at thepettyprofit.com. And if you love the show, if you want to support the show, the best thing you can do is go into iTunes and give it a five star review. It really helps. And uh, be sure to subscribe. Uh, we're available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Castbox, anywhere you get podcasts. You can subscribe and uh, get updated whenever we release a new show. So without uh, further delay, let's get into it. So I was kind of laughing as I prepared <laughs> this episode because uh, I was thinking about my dad my dad is uh, probably going to love this one because in this episode I rail against uh, mega churches just a little bit not I don't want to say I rail against them but uh, mega churches of seeker sensitive churches have always been you know a favorite target of uh, <laughs> of my dad so we'll probably get a kick out of this and I don't want to knock you know the the big churches the mega churches the see- the seeker sensitive churches because i i do know that god uses them god uses them in a mighty way oftentimes and um they've been effective at uh bringing people in and uh introducing people to the gospel who otherwise may never have stepped foot in a church so you know i don't want to be you know nasty or combative or condemning in kind of my assessment here but i think this talk is timely um because Our culture is undergoing some tremendous upheaval right now. There is a lot of change happening, and I think some of these larger churches are struggling with how to respond to it. You know, churches that want to stay open, that want to stay relevant, (laughs) that don't want to lose their thousands of members. You know, how do you respond to the Black Lives Matter movement? How do you respond to the pressure of critical race theory and intersectionality or, you know, LGBTQ ideology and theology or abortion? I don't envy any, any megachurch pastor with a large following who has to deal with all of these issues and all of these questions, um... So I so I want to extend them as much grace as I can. But I had a few thoughts the other day as I was reading the Gospels. I've been trying to read through the Gospels. I always find it's just kind of a great palate cleanser <laughs> when we're in trying times like this. Um, you you open up the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you read the, the words of Jesus, and he speaks with such authority, and he just cuts through so much of the 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 crap and the the noise that we hear from all sides all the time and one thing i've noticed in my reading of the gospels was that jesus was a pr nightmare <laughs> um i mean seriously uh, uh, jesus had 12 disciples couldn't he have chosen at least someone who is a communications expert to like smooth out the edges in his speeches. (laughs) I mean, imagine how much more successful his earthly ministry could have been. (laughs) I mean, okay, of course I'm being facetious here, but I laugh to myself as I picture Simon Peter or Matthew, (laughs) you know, slapping their foreheads when Jesus told his massive following that he had just You know, just gathered to, you know, for example, eat his flesh and drink his blood, or when he called the most respected religious authorities of that day a brood of vipers, or when he promised to tear down the temple in Jerusalem in a cryptic prophecy of his resurrection that he knew many would misunderstand. You know, I imagine what it must have been like to listen to the teaching of Jesus as he preached the Sermon on the Mount, for example. I read some of it today. I just kind of went through it. And there are some hard teachings in the Sermon on the Mount. And, you know, you the book itself in Matthew, it, it records what the reaction to his sermon was. It says the crowds were astonished <laughs> at his teaching. You know, I just picture these people just with their mouths agape their jaws on the floor after hearing what Jesus had said, you know, things like if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Um, If you, (laughs) if you get divorced and marry another, you're committing adultery. You know, I'm imagining him saying something like that and a few people getting up and walking away, shaking their heads. Or, you know, Jesus goes on to say, if someone steals your shirt, give him your cloak as well if a Roman soldier forces you to carry his gear for a mile, carry it for two. And I'm picturing people, you know, shaking their heads saying, seriously, you know, give, give more to our evil Roman oppressors and, you know, a few more walk out angrily. <laughs> and then he goes on to say, you know, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. The way is narrow that leads to life and there are few that find it. And I, picture that by the time Jesus has done with these talks, I am imagining this massive crowd that had had initially gathered to see the healings and be fed and meet the Messiah who would lead the nation of Israel to her former glory, while they've now dwindled down to just a handful of people. Again and again in the scripture, we see Jesus' loving kindness and miracles attracting massive crowds but as soon as he opens his mouth to deliver the message, eh, the crowds start to dissipate. And sometimes when I read the Gospels and then look up from my Bible and think about the American church, I worry a little. Well, maybe worry is not the best word. I, You know, maybe I should say I ponder a little bit. I, I think about what's going on because American freedom has produced a thriving culture of business, and leadership best practices. We have become experts at creating a product, branding and marketing that product, drawing in customers, building empires. And, you know, in the business world, these practices have produced some incredible successes and have changed millions of lives, but they have also produced some incredibly influential churches. Massive buildings, slick marketing, multiple campuses... Millions of dollars, best selling books, movies, Bible study programs, and more, all designed to draw in the customer and keep him or her in the seat. American capitalism has led many dynamic, enterprising individuals to craft and produce a product around Christianity. These massive churches have become their own, you know, lifestyle brands, record labels, social clubs. And that's not to say that God hasn't used them. I mean, there are churches in my town that have such a well-done Sunday production, you know, professional music, slick marketing. It's, it's impossible not to like them. It's impossible not to be drawn in by them. They launch marketing campaigns entitled things like, you know, You Matter. There are you know, signs and billboards all over the town that say You Matter or Love No Matter What you know, messages that are graceful and winsome and pleasant, and it draws many in, and why wouldn't it? They are communicating, I mean, they are communicating an essential part of the gospel to a lost and dying world, the fact that they are made in the image of God, that they matter to God, and it does get people in the doors, and it's all cool and dynamic and exciting, but I fear these churches are headed towards a a drop-off or you know, maybe a fork in the road, if you will. I think some of these churches are canoeing swiftly towards Niagara Falls because it's one thing to get people in the doors and it's a whole other thing to keep them there. And our culture is changing. It's changing. And I think there is a gut check coming. I don't know if it will come soon or in 15 years, I don't know if it will come suddenly or gradually. In some ways, I think that gut check has already arrived, because we are quickly coming to a place in this country, in our culture, where biblical Christianity is no longer civilized. It's no longer a creed held to openly by polite, culturally accepted people, especially when it comes to the issues most megachurch pastors only whisper to trusted friends about, I'm talking about issues like abortion, oh, really sticky ones like the LGBTQ theological and political agenda. I, I think most megachurch pastors, evangelical pastors, still hold orthodox Christianity when it comes to these teachings on you know biblical sexuality and the value of preborn life, but. They aren't very outspoken about it. They seem to prefer to stick with the uplifting messages that got the people in the doors in the first place. But the world and its progressive movements that continue to march forward will not let these churches get away with that for long. I don't think. I think for all of these churches, for all of us, there will come a day when stewards of these multi-million dollar church franchises will be forced to clearly and unequivocally declare either their support or their opposition to things like abortion, to gay-affirming theology, to, quote, gospel supplements like critical race theory and intersectionality. And as always, there are always the more, shall we say, cantankerous and combative Christians that are the first to stand against these sweeping cultural movements. You know, these churches love a good strong fight for the truth of the gospel, but, you know, sometimes they struggle in the grace department. Then, of course, on the opposite end of the spectrum, there are the most progressive churches and denominations that have already completely given themselves over to the tossing waves of culture, abandoning sound truth completely for a little credibility in the world's eyes. But then there is the massive middle, the mainstream of American evangelical Christianity. And what I see so far is not very encouraging. You know, we saw Carl Lentz of Hillsong shrink back when asked about abortion on The View. Should be the easiest question to answer. We're already seeing the anti-gospel heresy of critical race theory ravage the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, You know, we're already seeing influential Christian leaders affirm LGBTQ ideology and universalism. And should we be surprised? I mean... Not if we look at history. I mean, look how the vast majority of the German church got swept up in Hitler's ideology, many for fear of losing their congregations or their offices as pastors. Look how many churches in America fell prey to Darwinism and scientific racism and segregation and Jim Crow. If history is any indication to me, (laughs) it doesn't bode well for the American church. So... What am I prescribing here? Am I saying we need to start being more, you know, quote unquote, disagreeable? That we need to be nastier, more combative, more loudmouthed as we stand up for the cause of truth? Of course not, of course not. I'm not saying that at all. We know that Christians indwelt by the Holy Spirit must exude grace and gentleness and meekness. All I'm saying is that we need to be ready. We need to know what we believe why we believe it, and what we would be willing to give up for it because I think a time may be approaching when we all may have to give up something. Are you willing to lose your job, your friends, your reputation, your church, your brand? I think the tragic truth is that In this massive cultural upheaval, there will be many church leaders who compromise the true gospel in order to remain loved, accepted, relevant, or fiscally stable. And they will take many poor souls with them. And they will try so hard, so hard, to make the compromise they are making look legitimate, look biblical. And I think many of us will be appalled by what some churches teach as gospel in 10 years' time. But here's the beautiful thing about this, though. (laughs) We don't have to worry about it. God promises he will build his church no matter what. The Lord, in 2 Timothy 2.19, tells us, he says, the Lord knows who are his. He will preserve the ones he has chosen in his infinite grace. Our only responsibility is to turn from wickedness, abide in the vine, walk with him, obey him, step by step, every day and if we manage to do that by the time we are called sometime in the future if that day comes to give up worldly possessions status and reputation for the sake of christ we won't really be all that attached to it anyway because we will already have something much better and you'll remember jesus was given the same choice jesus was offered all the kingdoms and riches of the world if only he would bow down and serve the god, lowercase g, god of this world. And we all know what Jesus ended up choosing. He chose the path of suffering and of slander and of pain. And in his most difficult of teachings, he promised his followers to expect the same. But then he promised in Matthew 10:39 that the one who seeks his life will lose it, but the one who gives up his life because of me will find it. So, Every time I'm tempted to fret about the downward spiral of our country and watch so much of the church spiral closely behind, I remember the truth and I find myself even looking forward to those future experiences where I may be forced to cling to Christ more closely than I ever have before. It won't be a bad thing. It won't be a bad thing. (laughs) So those are my words for today. It wasn't as quick as I thought it would be, <laughs> but um, I hope uh, you enjoyed it anyway. So that is how I will leave it. I appreciate you listening. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes, and we will see you back here Thursday for another man hug with me and my brothers. Looking forward to it. Can't wait to see you there. Take care.